0: Hey, what's up? This is Jamie Kennedy and you're watching the Hollywood Raw podcast where we go into the ins and outs of Hollywood from <laughs> from wild stories to how it is on set. Hey
1: everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this
2: is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're
1: watching Hollywood Raw. You're
0: listening to and watching...
2: Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast. My name is Adam Glynn. Uh, Dax Holt, who is usually with me, is away still because he drives a Tesla and makes a lot of money. Um, me, I'm poor. I need to work. So, But have no fear, my friend Justin Foley, a fellow journalist, the Hammer Guy in the Streets, past guest of our podcast, always hits a home run with us. Justin, how are you, my
1: friend? Doing well, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me.
2: No, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because you're, you're a good buddy. We've had great times together. We always love working together. And you do this thing where you're outside Craig's almost, not every night, but a lot of nights where it's like a live feed with you and our, our friend, Joe Andalardo, who has this, this live, TikTok, what is it, A live, uh, what, what is he, doing? live feed? Yeah, he yeah. live streams outside Craig's. And it's so entertaining to see the characters going in and out of Craig's from the autographers to the fans to the rich people that go inside to eat to even the celebrities, so you guys are just having. I mean, who's some of the cool people that have been at Craig's recently? Have you or has it been slow right now for the summer? Is it slowed down? It's been slow, but
1: um, and and Joe go, he goes all over LA, he does yeah. all kinds of years everywhere, he's all over the place. It he's, he's the joy of everything, so he's trying to just you know just see everything and find the joy in it in a positive person. It's really cool, but um. The, the, the most recent big name that I saw at Craig's was Wayne Gretzky. That's pretty cool. See, you know what's, know what's cool
2: about Craig's? You, get, you never know who you're going to get. You get like random celebrities. We don't have a place in New York that just gets like random celebrities. You might have Carbone, which is going to get, hey, Christi-, you know Christina Aguilera is in town. She's going to go to Carbone, you know? But we don't get that one place where you just hang out all night and just see the random people that come in. It's just not how the city works. And that's what... And, I, again, I think it's so crazy that Craig's doesn't give you free food every night. They don't just give you a bowl of spaghetti just to go home with every night. Does Craig even uh, to talk to you?
1: Does he, yeah, like – No, he's a great guy. He's a really, really great guy. He really is. He comes out, talks to us a little bit. He's, he's a great restaurateur. And Have you ever asked him, though? like, hey, listen, like, we've
2: helped you out so much. Like, what can we do here? Is there anything, like no, – I think I deserve a free meal. Or is there anything <laughs> he could do to help you?
1: <laughs> I'm going to ask him for enchiladas next time. Yeah. That's a old Insight joke,
2: but no. no what is there uh, any way like you guys could like work on a better relationship? Because again, you've helped them out so much over the years. You no, put that place I on the I, map. I, I,
1: No, I, I mean, I think that's just that place is the hot spot. That's just you know, every time you know, in history, there's always been these places. I think Spago is the big place back in the 80s. Um, gosh, you know, I mean, now it's Craig's, so you know, and it was Bala for a while. It was Bo for a while. Now it's Craig's. It's uh, he's a great restaurant. It's a fun place to hang out. I like the ambiance and, uh, I'm just happy to be there.
2: Well, Foley came out big today with, for today's podcast. He was like, Hey, listen, let me reach out to Jamie Kennedy and see, he's a friend. I want to see if he'll come on the podcast. How did your relationship with Jamie Kennedy start? Like, how are you guys friends?
1: Oh, so, um, I was working at TMZ and, uh, you know, every now and then there's a celebrity you just connect with, you know, you know that as well as I do, uh, you know, your energy just matches or you just pick up a vibe. And he's a, he's a really honest, good guy. And he saw something in me. i We were talking and he liked my questions and we just bonded. And uh, he's like, look, you know, I, I think you're smart. What else are you doing? You can't just be doing this. And I'm like, well, I am writing and creating and I have some other ideas. And he was like, let me hear them. And that was really cool because, you know, he didn't have to do that. And so he took time to listen to my ideas and um, and gave me some feedback and, you know, and um. Inspired me to get the maid and stuff, so that was really, really cool. And that's kind of how our relationship started.
2: Yeah, I got to actually move my. If we're watching on YouTube, I got to move my thing right now because my computer is gonna die. But that's really cool. That thank you fully again for getting us um our guy Jamie uh Jamie Kennedy. I was gonna say James Kennedy, not the Vanderpump guy. We have
1: no James- Jamie. No, Jamie's the OG, and he's such a good dude. And I, I'm so glad he came on today. I had so much fun, you know such an awesome guy man
2: yeah well before we get to him um let's read a review that's right if you do give us a review usually on itunes we'll actually read your review live on air that's the best thing you do to support this podcast we do have a review ready this comes from fit and fab rocks you two rock thank you for being so authentic on your podcast you tell it like it is the two of you have great chemistry in your delivery of how you experience your craft i now reside in mexico and purposely do not listen or watch mainstream new news outlets Yet, I love to listen to you. Keep me updated on entertainment, celebrities, and shows I used to watch. Muchas gracias. Thank you, Clara. Clara, thank you so much. Again, there's a thing with the algorithm where if people leave reviews five stars, it boosts you up the charts. So when you do that, it helps us out a lot. We don't do a Patreon. We don't ask you for 25 cents a month. We just ask for a review. It's super easy. Grab your partner's phone. Then we get to give you a name on air. It's a kind of a cool thing we do. All right, on to our guest today. I'm excited to have this guy on. He is a comedian. He's also an actor. He has a, he dabbles in podcasting. Uh, he's been in Scream. He's been in Malibu's Most Wanted. He had a show called the Jamie Kennedy Experiment. Our guest today, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie, thank you for so much for coming on the Hollywood Raw podcast uh, with Justin Foley, your friend Justin Foley and myself. How you doing, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in New York. You guys are on the West Coast. You know, it's funny. I it's I gotta say the past few months have been really weird Because every time you know Vanderpump Rules, everyone talks about Vanderpump Rules And you hear the name James Kennedy And every time I hear James Kennedy's name, who's on Vanderpump Rules I think of you, Jamie Kennedy Has that been like a blessing Or a curse for your career in the past few months Ever ever since people have been talking about Vanderpump Rules And everything that's going on on the show? You know I don't think
0: it affects me But I guess there's one thing that did happen Is I did get a autograph uh request and it was a headshot and I looked down and it was I opened it and it was James Kennedy and I'm like, that's not my hair. <laughs> and uh I ended up signing it and I said, Hey, keep spinning on the ones and twos and I mailed it back to her. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, no, uh... no one other than that has said it. we're in two different worlds, but I know that he's the other James. But well, he's James. I'm Jamie.
2: But yeah, I've been hearing his name a lot. So, Jamie, on I, I, this podcast, we kind of like try to humanize Hollywood. And I think you've been a really cool person as far as your background, as far as your career, your journey to make it in this industry. Because you know more than anyone how hard it is and how much work you have to put in to make it. And when you graduate from high school, you didn't go to college. You came right to L.A., What was your mindset? What did you, what was your strategy? Was it just to go to LA and just see whatever you just fake it till you make it or just see whatever you could do? Just do the grunt work to really get your foot into the industry.
0: Uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just wanted to move to Los Angeles because I knew that stuff was happening out here. And I just said, I had. Long story, boring as I had, I got to be an extra in a in a movie in Philly. And that movie, like, inspired me. And then I was talking to people and they were like, you got to move to L.A. So once I graduated high school, I was like, boom, I'm moving. And I saved up money, uh, not much. I had like fifteen hundred dollars. And it was enough to put a down payment on a house. And I borrowed like another thousand dollars from my parents. I mean, not a house, an apartment as a, as a you know, whatever they call that, a security deposit. And um, I just started looking like I took a week and just looked around and saw it was like another world. And then just started looking for jobs. And then once I started getting a job, a couple of jobs, I just did that and i i didn't know anything i tell people i knew nothing like anyone who tells you that stuff are liars i knew nothing and i knew i didn't know what a headshot was i didn't know what an audition was i didn't know what a casting director was i knew nothing and it's really just trial by error and i just knew that i wanted to be i didn't know if i wanted to be an actor i didn't know enough about comedy at the time i was messing around with rap like i didn't know anything so I just wanted to be, like, important. I wanted to be like, ooh, I wanted to get attention. And um, slowly, by doing different jobs, I've weaved my way around. And, and people were like, you're good at this. And So that's, I try with things. And then as they would try and kind of molded me, people's opinions molded me. Like, you know, I never tried to do comedy until people told me. And then the reaction was good. And then. You know, acting. I took an acting class and the reaction was good. So I figured out those are my two lanes. But I just knew I wanted to be in LA doing something within this business.
2: No, it's uh mm. it's yeah. pretty cool. But then you know, you did extra work. To, and it's funny, Justin, you did ca- you did extra work and you did casting for extra work, right?
1: Yeah, uh-huh. that's my first job out of film school was being it. well I, I that, <laughs> yeah, but I more you know, competitive. It's, funny. I, it's more competitive than acting. Yes, yeah. 100%, it really is. But I, you know, it's funny, I was an extra on this movie called in and out and that made me switch because I was going to like science and math way. But I knew I was like on Struggle Street with that stuff. My brain just didn't really go that way. And so I was an extra on this movie and that gave got, got me the bug and then I was like, I'm gonna go. And so I, I went to film school and then I, my first job was uh, extras casting and I worked on Veronica Mars. I cast all the extras and that is the trenches. Like, Wow, that's a good job yeah. though, dude, out of college.
0: Yeah, you could have
1: That's been Jim south I agency. Just, but I'm just, I just want to say something. Jamie was like one of the okay, back I want to back up a little bit. Your the Jamie Kennedy experiment was the most I'm obsessed with that. You did my question to you is you did so many different characters. You were so confident in all these things that you did and all these different roles played. What point did you know did you like at what point did you have the confidence that you could do these things, like become these different characters and just go with it like where where did you get that from Because that to me that's one of the most incredible things that i ever saw like i don't know if people ever saw the jamie kenny experiment but you really did such a great job with that it was so impressive like the the roles you played the different like the, the outfits you wore it was it was really cool
0: thank you buddy
1: um i mean that was 12 years
0: after i started my journey when i sold that show and it was a pilot and um I had been doing standup for a while. Uh, and so once when, when I did stand up I would do different characters in a different scenario. So when I would do that, that would be like, Oh, this is a good character. And I put it in my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? And then I would do another character and work on it. So I had a, like, you know, at least eight or nine characters I could do um, from standup and then when we did the shows, like I pulled them out and then they would write new ones and they'd be like, your character is like this. And then I would like do a little research. And I don't know, it's just a mimicky. I've always been a mimic, you know, I've always like listened to people and kind of mimic them back. So um, I don't know. And I think going on stage and getting feedback or going in auditions and maybe not getting the job but the casting director being like, you're really good, you know, it's not gonna work on this one. Just those things are like, okay, I'm on the right path. So yeah. it's all just trying.
1: Was there How ever? Many? Oh, real quick. Was there on that show? Was there? Because there's so many interesting things that happened on that show and characters you played and the way you interacted with people. Was there ever a moment that was like stands out that scared you or made you be like, "I'm in a way a bad spot" or someone threatened you? Was there anything that really stands out to you that was crazy from that show?
0: Tons. Um, I think the cra- one of the craziest ones was I did a golf. Uh, I did one in a golf course. And I was B rad, and uh it was like the fourth guy was the mark, right? So three of us were in on it, and they said, "Hey, this guy didn't show up. We got another guy on our fourth, and the guy would swing, and I'd be rapping in his backswing, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I' swing this kind of sickleson, like Phil Mickelson. don't call him Jack Nicholson, you know like and the guy got so mad at me, and one, and I just kept doing that, like we went through two holes, and then. He said, stop it, and I said, this is who I am, and then he threw a putter at me, and then the putter missed, and if you did not even know anything about golf, and putter is the thick part of the, of the bag, so then we, then we said, hey, man, this is the joke, and uh, he said, he, he was the only person that ever not sign, we had over 189 wow. pranks, he was the only one to not sign, and he hated us, and we said, we're going to be on TV, and he was like, fuck you, yeah. It was crazy. Golfers are from- the biggest liars in the world. It's not a gentleman's oh. game. They're animals. They're scumbags. And send this to the PGA. They fucking drink. They smoke crack. And they lie. And you shouldn't have to be quiet. Okay. I golf. Golfers are the most crybaby people of all. They should be like the basketball.
2: That is true. <laughs>
1: that is true. It's mulligan. Like- got the mulligan.
0: <laughs> mulligan. They also use foot wedges all the time. They're crybabies. Yeah, a lot of them stink.
2: So when you do a prank show like that, do you go to them afterwards? Hopefully they'll say, "Hey, I'll sign the waiver." Do some of them, you're like, "Hey, listen, we'll give you a two hundred bucks." Like, how, where do you go? Do you first try to see if they'll just sign the waiver, and then say, "Hey, listen, here's two hundred fifty dollars, sign the waiver." Here's five hundred dollars, sign the waiver. Like, what do you do to get that no, guy to sign it the wasn't release? anything
0: Like that, Justin will get this one. So what we did was we 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 just basically had people sign a waiver and then we give them a hundred bucks. I think at first they just signed the waiver. And then at first, and then the next thing was like, they signed a waiver and we like took them to like this little area where they had like a coffee and like, you know, some lunch. And then like, then we like gave them a waiver and a coffee and a lunch and a hundred bucks. And then as the show got popular, people were So then we gave them like the coffee, the lunch, a hundred bucks. And they're like, their beautiful. Girls per segment producers with Lori would come over and go, Let me talk to you. And then, so basically, I think they took the money, I was like a hundred bucks at the most, but people knew the show and wanted to be on TV. But it was like always nice to see two like young, beautiful segment producers, like, Hey, honey, listen, you're going to be on TV. You know, there was a whole yeah. lawsuit about it. Um, Gloria already tried to sue all of us. I was on 2020. She basically said it's called gotcha TV and people weren't ready to sign. So they needed 48 hours to think about it, which obviously was, would ruin everything. Um, yeah. But so, but no, it was pretty chill until, you know, all this other stuff happened. California did you, did you was inst- a much more chiller state to get signatures.
1: Did you inspire punk you think? Did you ever talk to... Uh- uh,
0: yeah, bro. punk was a show. punk was a show that came on MTV it was called, like, before it was punked, it was called, like, Totally effed Up, or it was another type of show. And I remember hearing about it, and they did a prank where they took, like, a dummy and threw it off, like, the, 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 the roof of the downtown standard. Like, something crazy. And they were, like, and people were just, like, and that was the prank. Like, it was it was nuts, right? And so I guess they did a pilot. It didn't work. I guess they did another pilot and it didn't work. This is what I heard, but they loved Ashton. And, um, after my first season, like half, like let's say seven people on my staff said they're getting a job at MTV to do a new show. And it's only five episodes and, you know, can they do it and then come back and then, and all jobs that they were going to do were like a step higher than my job because of my, I had a big staff and, uh, that show was punk. So, yeah, do I think that punk borrowed some stuff? Sure, but it was different. I mean, it was just celebrities. You know, they were yeah. taking Frankie Munoz's Porsche, you know, but like it was, it was, it was just a time where, you know, when something happens, something happens, something happens. Like there's got, you know, it's like the, what was that movie, that show on, um, uh, oh, what's that sci fi? You know that show? Oh, that Scary Things?
2: Show. Yeah, whatever. There, you yeah, know, Tracy of, Morgan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what so jamie you've been very successful as far as selling your own projects which people don't realize how hard it is to come up with a project and then to actually sell it to actually execute to actually have a team behind you and actually not not after that all that then actually get it on air it's just it's a it's so hard how many projects are made but never get on air how you know you've been a part you know Explain to me that process for like the Jamie Kennedy experience, for example, when you had the idea for a show and then got to be on air, like you came with the idea. How do you get the meeting with the producers? Do you go to your agent first? Can you break it down, how it works?
0: Um, I had, you know, I had my agents. My agents wanted me to do TV. I wasn't really into doing TV. Um, I'd done a bunch of movies. This is after, you know, your initial struggle and all that stuff. So I had already done some movies and then um, they signed the holding deal. So they're like, the WB likes you, do you want to meet with them? So they signed me and they would sign me to six months just to like come up and pitch ideas. And I said, okay, I can do that. And um, I had the idea, you know, the best things usually happen by flukes, you know? So we had multiple producers. We had uh, a guy that used to run the Tom Green show. Um, and then that didn't happen and he was great. Uh, then we had the guy who created it, who wants to be a millionaire. And then the idea of the show was different than I wanted and we're different and that was great. Uh, and then at the last moment we got the producers from mad TV and they really, you know, we really just clicked creatively and, and the network said, we like these guys and I liked them. And then boom, we pitched and then the network liked it. And so we did like a little test tape, you know, we did a little test prank and um, the test prank just went amazing. And then when from there, the network loved it. And they said, all right, we're going to give you a half a season. You know, we're going to give you... it wasn't even a normal order. It was like, instead of like nine or 13, I think it was like seven. And uh, we said, okay, it was amazing. And that's how it started. But we started like with like, step by step by step so you know i had a rough idea the network liked me they they held me it's a much different game today totally different this was 20 years ago um and then they kept meeting with producers and that's how it kind of starts and you have to vibe with somebody creatively but you know it's a totally different animal today man
2: it's it's so hard do you think you know what's your relationship now with agents or managers? Do you think they're still relevant, or like you meet a lot of these guys? I'm sure when you're at the improv, you're at the comedy mm-hmm. store, a young person comes over to you. I'm an agent. I'm a manager. Is it a douchey vibe from these guys, or what's it? What's it? Wait, what's this pod called? Hollywood Raw. Oh, okay. <laughs> so do you ever
0: watch any of my pod?
2: Yeah. Well, I want. I was wanting to get into your podcast. I is, I, 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 I,
0: love- I I go. I go off on this. Agents- yeah. As, 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 taxi cabbers, as taxi cabs were disrupted by Uber, uh, as deliveries disrupted by Postmates, agencies are disrupted now by really direct messaging and social media. My last two movies I've done, I've gotten paid well. Um, and, you know, they didn't come out theatrically, but they're on streamers. Uh, that was all de- done with me and my lawyer. Um, I think agencies are, they're going to tell you they're super necessary. I don't think they are. I can tell you people that have blown up and then gone to agencies and they're still the same person. They were doing it without them. I think agencies don't make you hot. I think very few do. They're very good. There's very few people that pick a... They could see a gem, you know what I mean? A diamond in the rough. You know, that's just the way the whole thing used to be. It used to be you got with the director who was brilliant, like Baz Luhrmann. Like, he worked with you in the in the room and, like, molded you until you got the part, you know? Agents saw you roughly doing a stand-up set and maybe you had some jokes that bombed, but they saw something and they molded you. You know, it's just not the way a lot of it is now. So agents are basically these huge... We could just consider them like target right and basically they're all sucking off this corporate nipple of target well they all have quotas and they all have what we call you know like quarterlies and if you're not hitting them your job's in jeopardy so it used to be if a manager or an agent would only survive if their clients survive so it was called you, you eat what you kill like what jobs do you get you know that's how you get a ten thousand dollar job. Your agent gets a thousand. You get nine. IRS gets half. we're doing is, baby, we're doing this together. It's not like that anymore. They have salaries, um, and they just it's, its a totally just a fucked up system. And I don't know if you saw ESPN. They just had like six layoffs of like super high end on air talent. Well, yeah, yeah, that's ESPN. That's gonna that is going to trickle over to the whole business. The writer's room is in a writer's strike. And I'm not going off because I'm kind of using the same comparable where writers are like, well, we want 12 writers in a room, okay? That's just not going to happen. I mean, the economics can't sustain it. It doesn't mean some shows don't deserve it and should have it, yes. But other shows, just not everything is going to be the same. So ages are the same way. I don't know if you see they're all combining what's it called when you can constrict you know they just were gersh just sold half of their agency icm was just bought so you know it's it's going to be a very tight business of i think the biggest movie stars in the world will always have agents but even
2: then the movie movie business is changing (laughs) So, no, I yeah. think they're
0: a lot less necessary. Mm-hmm. Long answer.
2: You know so crazy, dude? I, so I got a call today, and this is the first time I talked. I, should, I didn't even tell Dax this. I got a call from a very, very, very wealthy person. and uh, Well, they're, uh, someone who works with a very wealthy person. They wanted to pay to have a dinner with um, Daniel Radcliffe. And they're, they're listen. Tell us the number. We'll pay. And you know that happens a lot in Hollywood. People are willing to pay to have dinners. It's it's a business. It's show business. And there's a lot of we think celebrities have money. They have you know they don't have a dollar compared to some of the money you know some of the, the old money that's out there, some of the oil money that's out there. And I went to the publicist and I said, hey, listen, this guy wants you know to pay to have dinner with Daniel Radcliffe in London. And they didn't even ask what the number is. They just said no. I'm like, are you stupid? Are you stupid? Like, first of all, the publicist lost out on money. You, they could have made six figures. Daniel Radcliffe could have made more money than he's gotten from movies. Did you even bring the offer to Daniel Radcliffe? That's what I'm, that's what I'm curious about. Did you actually bring the offer to Daniel Radcliffe? Terrible. Terrible. Okay. Dude, that's
0: terrible. That's terrible. First of all, well, Danny Radcliffe was probably made $50 million, uh-huh. And I don't know what his relationship is with money. I don't know. I, th- I think he's very wealthy off of Harry sure. Potter. Um, I don't know what he's like as a person. But the fact that they didn't even send the offer to him is one of my biggest pet peeves with agents. It's The gatekeeping. The term of gatekeeping yeah. has never been more... And I think that that would be disrupted. Now, there's a lot of people that have, would have been very angry that they didn't get that offer, me wanting them. So maybe he wouldn't. But, yeah, I mean, how much money would it have been? Like a half a
2: million? I would say probably could have got more than that. The guy actually had dinner with uh, Messi, uh, Messi, the soccer player. So if you're getting a dinner with Messi, you know there must have been a, some serious Oh, my there. God. That yeah. is a... What fucking agent didn't put him on blast? Well, here's the here's the here's my thing is too. Maybe Daniel Radcliffe is like, here's a guy who's willing to pay millions to have dinner with me and just with him and his family. I want to learn about this guy. I want to meet yeah. this person. Yeah. I want to know what this guy's background is. It's I, first of all, it was gonna be safe. You know, you could bring it. You could sign NDAs. You could, you know, so you couldn't publicize that. he paid. You know, and this shit happens all the time, bro. It's
0: crazy. I think fifty.
2: 50- did a bar mitzvah for
0: 1.5 million. I mean, like that's like normal. Like they do these deals all the time. People play Elton John has done super exclusive parties. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's to not have that. That's, that's why agents should go away. You're correct. The public is fucked up. These, these lower level power thinking power hungry, just people. I mean, she's, it's stupid. It's just stupid. It's closed mindedness. And what social media and the ability to distribute your stuff on apps and blow up off a of TikTok is disrupting all that, and they're going to see more and more that people are just not going to give a fuck.
2: So and, Jamie, you know, I don't. I want to ask you, Jamie. You're a guy who's been around the business for a long time. You've been on all sides. You've you started movies. You've coat. You know, you've been feature player to movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get a paycheck, let's just say, I, you know, for example, I'm just throwing money. at Let's say you do scream, you get paid a million dollars. Do you you pay a publicist? You I guess you pay a publicist five seventy five hundred a month for a three month retainer. Did you find that publicists were worthwhile for you? Did they help your career? Did they really were they overpaid or what was your relationship with publicists throughout your career?
0: Um, do you want me to just talk about that or the pay structure?
2: Everything pay both actually. Let I'm me let me both.
0: let me go down here so. It depends on, like, what a project is, right? So let's just say, let's just say I got, you know, let's just say I got $30,000. Well, you you don't really get a publicist until you start making, I think, one year when I had, like, when I got, like, Bowfinger, Three Kings, and Boiler Room, and they were all within the same year, and I made, like... I don't know, I made like $700,000 in a year in, in different TV spots. So, you know, you're going to pay your manager 10%, your lawyer, your agent 10%, your lawyer 5%, right? Which is also a whole other conversation of questionability because some do the jobs more than others. So then when you start getting busy, you have a publicist. I never paid more than 3500 a month. Now, I know they can go up or they can go, they don't usually go lower than that. They go up to five or six. But I would look at like someone like Demi Moore, someone I think that was paying five a month, I was told. So I'm like, I'm not going to pay what Demi pays because she's in a lot more magazines, a lot bigger than me. So I was like doing half, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're busy doing movies after movies and you got award shows and people of choice you're going to present or you're doing pre and you just keep them on. So there might be a two-year run where you just every month pay your publicist. And that's just the machine of being in the machine. But then you can go what they call off and take a little sabbatical and don't pay. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with publicists. I will say that, again, they're kind of like agents. But I will say, when I have the right publicist, they will kill for you. And I will pay them $10,000 to get some of the press they have gotten me. Because they're more of a kill what you eat system. I know there's bonuses at the end, but at the end of the day, they don't, unless they own the company, which is good, it's just that they only get their salary too. But they're usually young girls at UCLA and they have like a boss that's been there for 10 years. And then they, they just, they love it. They're drinking Frappuccinos all day and you're up all night and you go to the Maxim party and then you got to go and do the G4 awards. And it's awesome. Like you have this like sidekick who takes care of you. So I've had some great times with publicists, um, but also, yeah, they can milk you and not you not get anything. So some of the best publicity I've had had was when I did have some upstarts, young upstarts who are hungry. Um, and then they have other hot clients and they go, please take this guy because I'm giving you this guy. Uh, when Scream hit, we were all kind of young and we, had an, we all had a young upstart publicist. And he had you know a couple people from Scream and the movie got hot, so we were lucky to kind of share in this glorious basking of screen, but also Neb was already blowing up a party of five. And so she was our shining star. And then we kind of all got some trickle off of that. So it just depends, but I, I don't mind publicists. You just have to negotiate with them and they're negotiable. I had some of my friend, a girl I'd pay her per article. She was awesome. She would say, I get in this magazine a hundred bucks. And I said, okay. And she was so good. She didn't take anything for trying, which people, I never get paid to audition.
1: And then she was so
0: effective that I just, I said, here, just take some money because, you, you know, you didn't get it. You tried. So, I
1: have a question about, uh, I have a question about Scream. And, um, you know, you're a part, that's, that thing is such an incredible franchise. You're, you know, you're part of this amazing ensemble. You also were the, obviously, you know, Malibu's Most Wanted. You were the main, it was all you. Is it better to be the main guy where it's all about you? Or do you enjoy being part of an ensemble? Like, which one do you prefer?
0: I think that in in our, in our world, as you grow and you're, you know, you want to be the star, you want to be a movie star, obviously. Uh, But there is a less pressure of being a character actor and you can just go your life popping in its third, fourth, fifth lead. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that, you know, it's just different jobs, right? Like I love being the lead in the movie. You know what I mean? I love being the protagonist. So, it just depends on the project, but ego-wise, obviously you want to be top billing.
2: ego-wise. <laughs> Do you feel a lot of pressure, though, when you're the lead? I mean, when you're doing Malibu's Most Wanted, for example, every single day you go to set, everyone, even the director, the movie revolves around you. Did you kind of feel stressed out in that type of situation?
0: Um, Not really, because I had already done a lot of movies, and I developed that movie, and I was like, sold that movie with my friend and and i was like yeah this movie has to work the pressure was like to become a successful entity of like can i be the next comedy name you know what i mean so that was our pressure but like you know i had a great director and we fought a lot but that's why he's great because he would would not let me get away with everything and so he i would want more takes come on i have more takes you know like i'm a school of uh Keenan and Ivory Wayne's, you know, Keenan is always like, try, 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 you know? And that's what I want to be able to do. But if you only have a limited budget and limited time, and there's a lot of different actors, you got to get your days. So he was like, you're going to get three takes, man. Pick your best ones. So he taught me a lot. And um, there's pressure that way. And then obviously there's different lo- levels of pressure when a movies getting cut, the right choices and the pressure of like when it released. So there is, but on the set, I was feeling, I was feeling myself but also pressure
1: of like, we got to get our days.
2: What's the, what's, the, I'm sorry, fully, what are you going to say
1: uh, real quick. You mentioned something earlier about you don't get paid for auditions. There's actually a huge debate right now about whether or not actors should be paid for aud- auditions. It's, it's a topic of discussion. Where do you, yeah. where do you fall on that, on that uh, debate?
0: Um, I've had arguments with managers uh-huh. about it. Like, I mean, quite, I mean, you do a lot of work, dude, I've done, uh, I went in for a movie, I don't want to name it, but like, I went deep, deep in the process, I went back two and three times, I was shooting another movie in San Diego, I drove back early, then I had the screen test, and they liked my screen test, and I went to what they call a certain school for like two days to learn this dialect. At the end of the day, I did not get the movie, the movie wasn't huge, but it was definitely a big movie for a studio. Um, do I, do I think I should have been paid? I don't know. Probably not. Like, I don't know. That's what it is. Right. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about it, but no, but I'm saying it's like managers. I don't think we, if we're not, I don't think we, if we get paid, then it's going to enable the representatives to get paid. I think Sal, I think the argument should be salary should go away and people should just get paid for what they get. Like, that's really the truth. <laughs> or treat actors, but then if you have actors who are getting paid to audition, people are gonna book like five auditions a week and just become career auditioners. Yeah. So I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I personally, from old school, probably I wouldn't think you have to get paid, but also other people shouldn't
2: get paid either. You know, you've been, like we we've been spoke about, you've been part of some pretty big franchises. You know, let's just say Scream, for example. I don't want to ask, you know, I don't want to be too dead on and ask you what the number is, but roughly from the residuals, do you make under or over 30k a year from the residuals from Scream? And I'm just curious because it's played so much. Because you always see people show off a check. I mean, even Foley mm. just did one of he just did a Veronica Mars up he got seven cents. But you <laughs> a major part. Do you get like an over? Do you make over at least over under 30 a year just from Scream? Hmm. I don't know. I definitely
0: I think I don't I don't I don't think I make I think I make I don't know. I really don't I I think I probably I probably make maybe I don't know. I think I probably don't make 30,000 off of screen a screen year. I think I probably make good but not crazy, but I I have a lot of residuals that add up. But maybe yeah. Maybe Scream. I don't know what Scream is. Maybe ten, twelve thousand. I don't know. Good money.
2: I mean, honestly, no, it's, it's a great check every year. But, you but know? there's a
0: lot of different movies that pay, so I do well. Like I, you know, I'll probably make a hundred thousand dollars a year in residuals. Maybe that's or,
2: awesome.
0: But like that's different. Awesome. But like some of them are movies that you never heard of that done really well overseas, or Scream does. I do get big checks around Halloween, but it's a cluster of checks, so it's not just one project. But Scream, listen, I'll give you an example. The first check I made on Hollywood for Scream was 18000 for the movie. My first residual check was 31000 Wow. That was insane. Yes. Wow. So that was the true incentive. Okay. Now, it goes down through the years, and it gets less and less and less, but then as new systems come out, like, so if there's, like, a new horror streamer or something, and they want to buy Scream, and there's a big payment for it then i'm going to get a new windfall kind of like how friends does it
2: yeah that's very cool that's int- i never knew how that worked that's uh, yeah. it's very unique um and y- it's hard to actually follow like you I, I bet you can't even keep up with it or can No i
0: have it all tracked to my account basically sag oh, okay. amazing at it and sag just goes boom <clears> there's <throat> your monthly residuals and you'll just get an alert in your email we're about to deposit you know 3300 dollars boom and then It'll have a list of all your residuals, you know, Ghost Whisper, Criminal Minds, Reaper, JK. you know, it just has all different things.
2: You know, Jamie, it's funny. You just had a, you've had a really cool career because it's just like, mm. it's a, it's a matter of just talent meets hard work and you've, you've put in the hard work and obviously you're talented and it's not, you are born with some talent, but you worked at the talent by going to stand up clubs every single night and just kind of honoring your craft and trying to be the best performer you can be, with shows in your film, with shows on TV projects and you still do today. You know, through that, I'm sure you've had some incredible experiences. Who was the coolest person that you've got to party with over the years? The one where you're like, man, that was pretty awesome. That was an epic <laughs> party night. Party with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: party with. Wow. Party with.
2: The one when you're like at a restaurant, you're at a bar or a party, and you're like, dude, I can't believe I'm having drinks with this person. We're kind of vibing. It's just it's pretty dope.
1: I would say
0: the one
2: you almost want to brag to your buddies about, like, dude, you know who I was with last night and hanging out, and having drinks with? I've dude, had yeah, some uh, amazing
0: uh, parties, which is like I don't get FOMO. I just saw some Fourth of July party pictures, and I was like, I thought that looks like a pretty good party, but it's like the party is about like what what you wanna the fun you have, and I'm gonna say. I mean some of the best times I've ever had was at the Playboy Mansion. And I would say Uh, uh, I would say probably the like 90 the summer of ninety-nine was the last time I remember at the Playboy Mansion. So it's like twenty-four years ago, where it was half was just back. And it was the Midsummer's Night Party, which is like his number one party. And that party pretty much had everybody from super, super exclusive movie star to beginning reality star, and everybody in between to music stars and athletes. And that was a baller time. And I just remember going to that party. Being on the dance floor, the DJs. I think Too Short was with, you know, Out There We was kicking it. And then, you know, at 2 o'clock when the party would end, they rolled out a whole new thing of food and, like, amazing. And it it just hookah pipes. And it was – I don't think I left until, like, 5. I think I was in Mel's Diner at 5.30, and it was me and my boy. I'm not going to name names. And then, like, a couple of girls in, like, pajamas. It was the best. And then we went to like my house after that. Like, that was, there's too many people to name, but anyone you could think of was at that party, a lot of people. And that was a golden time. There was no phones, um, no weirdness, uh, good vibes, and just, just, just like people like sexy people want to have fun. <laughs>
2: That's, that's awesome
0: yeah, you know what I mean everybody was no, about
1: it. it and there was no like two o'clock the lights didn't go on yeah you uh, um, when, you, when you're there what do you okay the girls obviously here's my question because com- comedians get girls right girls always say they want a funny guy and comedians get girls do you know when you're when you notice when you're there do you who like what type of celebrity do you think gets more girls is it the musicians the athletes the comics like who are they going who are they gravitating <laughs> for <laughs>
2: That's what First I want. All, you me. can't
1: even ask this question anymore. It's
0: illegal. Uh, you can't like doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um, honestly, yeah, I think rock stars would always be number one, right? Like, um, but you know, don't hate on actors. They're sneaky with it, obviously. Comedians are low key, you know, killers with it. Um, I actually want to say though that like baseball players are, like, like kind of tops. Like, baseball players really – and hockey players. Hockey players are actually the toughest dudes along with baseball players, I think. I mean, obviously football, but hockey players fight all the time. But they are actually – see, a lot of those guys are married, actually, and, like, good dudes. But, like, hockey players and baseball players low-key are up there with rock stars. But comedians will always be fine to take, you know – some leftovers. Can we even have this conversation? It's probably against the law, mouth even.
2: No, yeah. they, groupies
0: they, never. They, I know it's a joke. Remember, like <laughs> you can't even say like groupies existed. Like that, uh, there was something called groupies. Like people are so like in denial about. It.
2: You know what I mean? Well, let me yeah. ask you this, Jamie. You know that goes into my quick My next question for you is, you know, once you started to get a lot of fame, you know, you became a public figure. People are covering you. The media is covering you. How did that change? Like dating for you, especially in L.A., like with girls, where you're just getting a whole different type of caliber of women, and how do you kind of, like, mindset go into it? Because these girls are sort of opportunists, because if you were just a struggling actor, <laughs> you I don't know that. if you'd get those type of hot girls.
1: <laughs> I love you just said
0: that. <laughs> Canceled. Um, yeah. Are you calling females opportunists? Uh, There's some. Uh, no, here's what I would say, is that it starts from nothing and then you get everything. So, you know, basically, I mean, it's a weird world. It's not like, I don't even know how dating exists anyway. I don't know anything about dating. Like I never really dated. You know what I mean? It's like, I've been doing this since I'm 23. And it was like, I really didn't get any chicks. And then all of a sudden when you get on a set or something, they're the most beautiful people and women in the world. You know, so if you're doing a scene in front of a panaflex, people are like, ooh, who's that guy? So I think you just meet people on set. um, And that was always wonderful or co-stars or people in the project with you. And then you start going to events, like Justin would be outside and you'll go to different parties and you just talk to people at parties. You know how it is. And that's how it really happens. It just happens at like, that way naturally so then if you are but you stay within your the circle of hollywood right and it was a different time so uh if you're going out and what i want to say and like um if you want to go off campus if you will and be with
1: normal
0: you know people not in hollywood then i mean that's probably even easier right because people see you and you're like oh my god and you know whatever you're at the you know well, chilies and the the host likes you or something. I don't know, but, but like now it's a totally different game. Like once you know, I I didn't have a problem with space I think once I don't think the cell phone was once the cell phone pixelating really got good, and once the snitch culture came in, and the snitch in the way of like I have snitch culture is I have no talent, I have nothing going on in my life, I don't know anything. I'm all my all I'm going to do is gossip about somebody that does. And if I if I if I look important by exposing something about them, good, bad or indifferent, then I'm important. Once that happened, the whole thing changed because basically there was like it was a code, you know, like what happened here stayed here. And it wasn't bad. No one was like, at least in my world, no one was harboring any criminals or anything. People were having a good time. Did they, did they, did they take some pills and stuff? Sure. Was everything consensual? Sure. But like now, honestly, bro, it's fucking bizarre out there. You could fucking hook up and you don't, there could be a whole fucking dissertation about you online. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's wild. People are writing about anyone. They're going on TikTok and just saying this person did this to me and, if anyone says anything now, it's just truthful, right? Like no one believes to investigate anything. So it's a much different time. It's 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 good to expose bad people, but sad that it, there's a lot of overcorrection. Yeah, that's
1: a great, that's a great point. You overcorrection. Um,
2: what is, you know, you've been to a lot of award shows, I'm sure over the years. What was the best and what was the worst? These are a lot of questions of like super specificity.
0: Um, I would <laughs> say. Uh <laughs> I've had some good times at the Golden Globe. I'm going to say that. Uh I've had some good times at the Golden Globe. The some of the best. I've had some great after parties at the Oscars, like gone to some amazing uh you know, gone to Vanity Fair a couple of times. That was awesome. Before, and like it was just chill. It, wasn't, it was not like so wild. But again, everyone's still kind of a little bit like on their game there. Well, you want to go to the after after party. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I would say, Oh, bad ones? I don't know. I have to think about it. But there's some there's what some good you ones. Say- I don't even know. Like, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Like our parties still no. raging
1: oh. the same way? There's no way they are, right? I, I did you ever go to the you know the scream awards because I used to work there and those were so fun did you ever go to those awards the- i
0: think i well, i did something called the chainsaw awards which might be hmm. before the scream awards which i hosted that was a good party i would go to i would go to guys remember guys on beverly I
1: oh they used yeah. to have some
0: amazing after parties um you know, I don't know. I would think like there was, still, there's some good party. I don't even know. Are people partying like they used to party? Probably not.
1: No. So many cameras. Right?
2: It's not funny. You're looking, you look, looking. know, it's funny. Jamie, we're talking about this because this past weekend it was all over the news. Michael Rubin had a party. It was an all white party in the Hamptons. And there were so many photos being taken there. And at first, you're like, it's cool. And then you see all the photos. Then after a while, I, in my opinion, I was like, oh, this is sort of gross. Because you're an L.A. guy. Guy Osiri has an infamous party at the Academy Awards every year. And it's a crazy big party. But you don't see yeah. photos from that party. You don't see. It's yeah. sort of like mysterious, which makes it actually a little bit cooler. You know, you're wondering, like, who was there? You hear about the names there, but you don't see photos of it. So, in my opinion, I kind of like, you know, to me, what gravitated my, my, my fondness of Hollywood is the mystery behind it. You want to know what was it really like. Well, um, I
0: think that. And I, dude, I so agree with you, bro. And it's a disruptive system now. And I think that you're right, man. Like I, I, you know, yeah, you can't really, (laughs) there were no cameras. There aren't any cameras, you know? And I think that that's like what it was. It was like this thing that you hear and you talk about. There are no cameras at the Playboy Mansion. i upset. You know what? There was one photographer at the Playboy Mansion. Guess who it was? the magazine, and they would ask you, hey, can I take this photo? And then they would show it to you, and you go, that's cool. You know what I mean? And then later on, they would send you a release if you wanted to be in it or not. It wasn't anything like that. But that's, like, content that happened. And it was simple, right? And it was an honor. But, like, yeah, I think that the – I think – yeah, I – you know, it's – I think everything is on display now. And there are – there are – I think people – the, the, the mystery of Hollywood is gone. And I think that is sad. Um, I think it's good to expose a lot of things, but I just don't know if Hollywood is as special as it used to be. I don't want to say that, but I love it, but I just don't know anymore.
1: But is there is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Like, what, what's the silver lining from all this technology? Like, do you see anything good coming out of all of it? I mean, I know one of the positives is that the barrier to entry is gone you know, the old guard of blocking people based, you know, discriminating people from getting into Hollywood and all that is gone because of technology. But is there another silver lining that you see from all of this? Um,
0: I don't know. Like, I think that, that it's, yeah. I mean, I think that you, I think the creative people are going to create and I think that you gotta be you, you, if you have an idea, you can create it now very simply with cheap technology that could be very good. Um, and distribution will be uh, where you can find it, you know, between streaming platforms, between pay, like high-end, like, you know, Netflix, which is very selective, and then, like, Tubi, which is more, you know, they still have amazing stuff, but they're just less of a gatekeeper. So I think that, I think it's all disrupted, quite frankly. And I think that people are just between OnlyFans and Patreon and, you know, and, you know, people are talking about putting their podcast on Twitter now because YouTube is becoming so, uh, what's the word? They're censoring. <laughs> so I, I, I just think, I don't know, like, dude, this summer is in a crazy summer. Like, they're waiting on Barbie to come out and Mission Impossible to come out and Oppenheimer to come out. Like, but they say that I, they say that movies are kind of underperforming. So I think that it's a whole, I don't know, we've been, we're in a different time right now. And I think that we have to decide where it is. But in terms of like, you know, oh, this is a TV star, and this is a movie star. I, I mean, it's few and far between now, right? Like, because you got people like, well, this person just made forty million on OnlyFans. You're like, who's that? You're like, I don't know, but they made <laughs> yeah, I,
1: had a, I had to do a, yeah, I worked the red carpet doing photography and they're they're coming through and no one knew who anybody was. They're holding up these names. And you go back and they have like a huge fan base on social media, but no I I didn't know one person. Some guy, I don't know
0: who it is or what his name is, but I think he was a big Twitcher. Okay. Oh I God. believe he just got a hundred million dollars to just do exclusively his show on kicks, which I don't even know what kick is. So it's like a wild time. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what's this? There is no I think traditional Hollywood will always be there in terms of a legacy, but I don't know if it's gonna have the same amount of eyeballs. I think it could just be like. You're gonna have the Snappies, the Snapchat Awards, you know. You're gonna have the Fannies, the OnlyFans, you know what I mean? You're gonna have like you have the Webbies. I think I think kind of everyone's gonna have their own little thing, right?
2: Yeah.
0: So that's yeah, what yeah, I, I think, and I
2: yeah, sorry. It's it's weird. We're all trying to figure it out, and it's, it there's no. But I am, I, I
0: think can. you can always make money at it, and you have to build your own audience. I'm lucky because I'm a brand. I tell people I'm like Snuggle's fabric software. You know, I might not always be hot but i'm always on the shelf you know what i can do so it's just a matter of making your own name cultivating your fans and those fans rolling with you with whatever you do If you're making a music album bam and then they're following you on tour and you know a movie there, there's you know, vice versa that type of stuff
2: yeah you know it's funny you know to wrap this up you know what we kind of spoke about is some of the stuff you kind of speak on your podcast hate to break it to you how would you explain to people what exactly you do on your podcast? Hate to break it to you it's
0: just like a rant about like how it really is kind of like what you're talking about and different things. It's my take on the world, my take on things, but like in terms of Hollywood, it's just, you know, Hollywood is not the same as it is. And it's like, I try to be really transparent. Like you can ask me numbers. I don't mind. I always tell people what I make, you know? And it's, the, the gatekeepers was where the secret formula was like weird of like, why is this person getting a job and why isn't it now? But that's different now. Like you can make, I just did this movie right here. Don't suck for $600,000. Uh, we got a couple of offers, but you know, we don't like them. So now we're going to try to release the movie independently ourselves and go to 10 theaters and then work from there, you know, and, and make a name. And if the movie theaters can sell out, then we'll expand it, you know? So that's what I'm about. I've, Put, help put the movie together. I believe in it. It's really funny, dram- drama, d- d- dr- dr- dramedy, if you will. Um, so we'll see. Um, my podcast is about that. It's about just like exposing like kind of what you're doing and talking about, you know, things aren't the way they are. And just like, if you're going to do this business, there's no like, mommy, may I have a dollar? Discover me, you know, at <laughs> CVS. You can't get discovered at CVS anymore. You want to know why? It just closed.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yo, remember Schwab's? Fulls, remember Schwab's?
1: Yeah, yeah, they closed the, close, the yeah.
0: Schwab's. The Schwab's on Vine and Sunset, where like Lana Turner was discovered. They redid it because they made it like sex Hollywood. They just closed yeah. it because of vandalism. It's so <laughs> up. And then they're that blaming everybody you it's know, this crazy. Guy. If you go to my balcony right now, I'm in a condo because I'm like sold my house and I'm waiting to buy a new house. And you can look to the left, you're gonna see the Hollywood sign. It lit up for about a week. Did you guys remember this story? And then a bunch of Karens got together and said it was too bright. So they turned it off. So there's no more Hollywood sign at night. What does that tell you? That
1: is insane.
0: Hate to break it to you.
1: There you go. (laughs) I love it. No, it's real quick. They always say, would the Beatles survive? Like, would the Beatles, if they were around today, would they make it? And I think the argument's always been yes because the music is just that good. I, yes. I say so, and I say, Good with the Jim Kennedy experiment, make it today if it was starting out now. And I say, Yes, I think yes because of uh, people love yeah. it, but you know, they would be
0: offended by stuff for sure. You know, that
1: yeah, I oh think, yeah.
0: I think at the end of the day, whatever this message is or this pod is, if you're creative, there's a lot of ways to put it out through Audible through Instagram through and then grow your audience, whatever you're doing, whether you're writing, comedy, music, whatever. So I think you have the tools now to share your creativity. I mean, Billie Eilish, I believe, was, you know, popped off a of SoundCloud, you know? So it's like a wild time to be alive. Um, but the traditional gatekeeping is, is, I believe, done. And I think that's only a matter of time. And But just like, all of us looking at one person and idolizing them is gonna be less and less, I think, because I think people are we're narcissists. So we're like, why don't I special? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, Jamie, I really appreciate coming on the podcast. It's uh, you know, as a guy who I I grew up on and now getting able to talk to you for close to an hour, it's just it's really cool for me to follow Jamie uh, and keep up with his movie, just everything that's going on in his life. go to his website. He's also on tour, JamieKennedy.com. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at the 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 Jamie Kennedy uh to keep up with tour dates, keeping ch- uh you know, following on his podcast, hate to break it to you. Best of luck with the movie. I'm excited to see when you come to a theater out east. Keep crushing it, man. It's uh, it's really cool to have you on the podcast. And thanks for being real, dude. Thank you, bud. Appreciate you guys. Foley, that was your friend. Your first time you uh guest hosting. I well, I guess second, but the first time we had a, a celebrity on. Uh besides Yuri. How was uh what you think of that conversation?
1: so fun so great he uh, Jamie's such a real real dude man I love that guy and he's when I was working at TMZ and I interviewed him we did he just was such a a gem to me he was such a nice guy so cool so this is a great uh, opportunity for me to like get a chance to interview him in a different capacity or more uh you know a little more chill what was your biggest takeaway from that interview that things are changing rapidly in, in, our, in our business and, you know, Hollywood is really changing, but that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that light is that, you know, you can get content out now that you want to get out. There's no more excuses for your projects to not get made. You don't have to rely on anybody else. You can use the resources at hand, just like everybody else and get your message out there. Yeah, you know,
2: it's for me, the biggest takeaway is you always see celebrities post of their residual checks and it's like two cents, seven, 15 cents from this movie. Thank you. But he's like, no, I make I, I make over $100,000 a year probably on residuals from all the projects he's done, which is a lot of money. So it's pretty cool yeah, that true. I didn't know how that works, but he makes good money every year just from residuals. Now, of course, that money is going to go down every year. But once a year, when you get that paycheck, it's probably a really nice paycheck. Like, ah, oh,
1: that's pretty awesome. I made $12 last year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Foley, thank you for uh, helping me out today. Uh, people, uh, make sure you check out Foley. He's always doing these uh, with a friend of ours on TikTok where they do outside Craig's. It's just really fun live. Like It's like they're almost doing their own press conference outside Craig's every night. And it's really, it's live feed. It's really cool. Uh, Foley, where can people follow you on Instagram?
1: Uh, it's the letter I, the letter M, Justin Foley. I'm Justin Foley.
2: Very cool. Uh, make sure you follow us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We have a private Facebook group called Off The Record where you guys get ask us questions. You guys get ask each other questions. It's a really cool community. Uh, but thank you guys for that. Make sure you leave a review if you're watching on YouTube. Like and subscribe. See you guys next time.
1: Ahudat Media Production.